I'll do it so it gets done. <laughs> okay. Welcome everyone back to episode two of the Zero Check season four. Once again, it's myself, Craig, with Stephen, Richard, and Michael. We are yep. here with another four albums of awesomeness for you fine folks on this this evening. It's a Tuesday night here in our respective houses. So on this episode today, we have two albums from the year of our Lord, 1984. We have Princess Purple Rain and Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. We have Disintegration by The Cure, and we have Clumsy by Toronto's own Our Lady Peace. Gentlemen, which one of you would like to go first? Start us off. I think mm. I went first last time, so I'll let somebody else do it this time. <laughs> Let's get Clumsy out of the way. Sure. Out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a challenge. I, I I'm challenging you, Mike. I'm thinking, why? It's 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 funny because as I as I was going through listening to all these albums, I I started with Clumsy, and then you guys were all like, "You're not supposed to listen to the one that you like first. You're supposed to listen to the other ones first. It, it's kind That's of right. it, it, it defeats the purpose of music discovery to listen to the one you've already discovered. This is true. <laughs> but what if you hadn't heard it in a little while? Can you rediscover? I, 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 it? We're not saying don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think there was a song that was pretty good on. It. You guys wouldn't let me listen to it. Um. Yeah, so so clumsy, um, clumsy came out uh, basically when we were all like in high school, right? Um, what year would that have been? Like ninety seven, I think. Yep. Released January twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so wow. it came it came out and it came out at a particularly angsty time for me. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, pursuing the the girl of your dreams and. Uh, you know, trying to get along with people at school and all this stuff. And for some reason, OLP kind of just spoke to me at that time, um, especially Superman's Dead, like the very first track on this album. Um, it was especially if I had a bad day or if I was struggling with um, just sort of surviving high school and being like a high school kid, um, especially like grade nine, grade 10. Um, it was uh, it, it was it was it was the song that I would turn to. So um I think I started listening to that album because of that particular song and um, just started working my way through it. Um, I think it was a friend that had lent it to me. Um, I ended up picking up a copy for myself. Um, the The album, I'm just trying to remember, It's it was, I think it was their second album that they put out uh, after Navid. Um, and, and basically because of this album, I got into to more Our Lady Peace stuff. Um, going back to Navid and then working my way through some other albums. Um, as, I, as I was listening to Our Lady Peace stuff and wanting to sort of jump around, that's a nice part about streaming is that you can just sort of jump around all over the place. Probably not good if you're, um, you know, easily distractible. But uh, I ended up doing that and, you know, going into some of their other stuff and, and really having a good time kind of exploring that band's music like the 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 way that it started with Navid and then sort of working its way through and listening to you know happiness is not a fish you can catch and spiritual machines and um and just having a good time um uh, with 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 a lot of their of their music um but but still going back to clumsy songs like carnival that just have a, an amazing um 
sort of uh it, it, it's it, it's got this carnival sound to it you, you got this this kind of marching band kind of thing going and um um uh what's another really, really good one that i liked automatic flowers is really cool um 4 a.m i was listening to 4 a.m today when i was driving to work and it still chokes me up a bit like the the whole um the whole thing about you know uh if I understand the song correctly, guys, it's, 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 you know, it's his estranged father reaching out to him, right? Like when he's on his deathbed. Is that what that song is about? I don't know if he was dying, but I know it's about his estranged father. Okay. Okay. I know that they, they go, they go that route with a lot of their music. Like, um, uh, the song thief, for example, is, it's not on, I don't think it's on this album. Um, no, it's, it's on, um, it's on happiness. Yeah. And that's, that's the one about, about, uh, about their friend that had a brain tumor, right? And and so they 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 sort of go that route with a lot of their music. And um, anyway, so it, it's that that was the one that I wanted to to present to you guys. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all heard it before, but you know, what did you think? Like re-exploring that that album. This is a better adult. Craig thinks this, that this is a better album than teenage Craig did. Mm. Th Craig was too uh, alternative to alternative to like <laughs> this. This has the same. There are tons of albums that I or tons of artists that I guess did this in in the nineties. It seems that did the like raw first album that I really like, and then go the more polished yeah. like toned down second album. It was a We've really common ton. thing. Your your yeah. your Our Lady pieces, yeah. your I Mother Earths, your Moist, all of them. Yep. So all of that them, Canadian rock. So that, that's one thing about this album that like Teenage Craig didn't really like. I still like the songs, but I still felt it was a step down from Naveed at the time. The other thing is um, the producer Arnold Lanny. So he also did um, Finger Eleven's first album. Mm. Um, and I really like the Rainbow Butt Monkeys album. So Finger Eleven before they were Finger Eleven. It's not an incredible album. It's probably like a B album, but... I got it at that point in my life where I didn't have a lot of CDs, so I'd listen to it a ton. And it's kind of like the first time Mother Earth album, like it's on the heavier side of Canadian rock. And I really didn't, I felt that the first Finger Eleven album was very much like Arnold Lanny turning Rainbow Butt Monkeys into Our Lady Peace. <laughs> and I really did not like that. Are we, we're going to get some merch that says that. Naked ladies into, <laughs> into in sync. <laughs> <laughs> So I think like I that's a lot of I guess impressions and feelings that like remembering back about like I think Steve, Steve and I before we started recording mentioned both like how long it had been since we each of us had listened to this oh. and it it's been like a couple of decades for me probably about same for Steve and Richard too um yeah but remembering yeah go sorry go ahead Richard Oh, I was just agreeing that it's been quite a long time since I've listened to Clumsy. I forgot that the song Carnival even existed. Mm. When I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah. But it's so unique that when it popped on, you're like, oh, I remember this one. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was yeah, really I, I mean, there was a lot of singles off this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever listened to the last two songs. I think I got as far as <laughs> Hello, Oscar. And I own this album. Uh, yeah, like yeah. I got to Hello, Oscar and Let You Down and then turn, turn the CD off like... like Time to hit stop on this CD. <laughs> yep, whatever. I, I did that with a number of CDs back in the day. I, I was notorious yeah. for doing it to like poor, like or, or just skipping tracks because the filler was so fillery. 
I think mm-hmm. Bush 16 Stone was like my my number one album for <laughs> loving the songs I loved and then just hating the songs I did not. I I heard, remember hearing that growing up that 16 Stone was very much a singles album. Like yeah. it was super yeah. guilty of that. Big time. Yeah, definitely. But no, uh, I think I, yeah, I think I, I, I forty-year-old like, me likes this. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fun. Like it was, it was definitely a blast from the past. Um, back in the day, uh, I like I really liked um, Navid as an album. I thought it was really good. Um, but where, and Navid had like a ton of singles off it too. Uh, but where Navid had all the Navid's singles were really good some of the other tracks on it that weren't singles were less mm-hmm. I don't know what the I don't know what the right word is less approachable yeah uh, mm-hmm. and I, I found they, that this one is is like they 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 went all in on the approachable train yeah I would say that it's a more listenable album as a whole listenable uh, good word yeah and whereas I like the singles from Navid generally better than, than Clumsy. But as a whole, as an album, I found Clumsy just easier to listen to and generally more enjoyable as an album. I remember feeling that way when I was in high school as well. Yeah, me too. But you always wanted to you wanted to like the one that was, was harder to listen to because, you know, that made you cooler. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. More, people more than scenery and fish. Hey guys, so we we listening to Our Lady Peace or what? Right, guys, guys, can I sit here? First, uh, first album demos only. <laughs> no, but right. um, yeah, I, I I like it. It was um, it it was very much. I mean, I think my well, Superman's Dead was so overplayed. so overplayed Mm. that i just couldn't (laughs) like i heard it i I mean it was on big shiny tunes and it was i'll also also ask is there a more emo video emo no angsty video than superman's Mm. dead resurrection (laughs) moist Do you remember that? It's like going through the house and it's like him screaming yeah. and a whole bunch of awful things. Like, <laughs> I was thinking I the, the, the video for The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. I don't know if I've seen the video for that. It's more like that's that, that's, the, that's the underwear party. That's the underwear party. It's pretty angsty. Yeah, where the guy's it... like, I don't know if that's angsty or just awkwardness, where the guy just does, <laughs> like, he doesn't want to join in. And at the end, he meets the girl who, like, also, it was like, no, I don't want to do this. And they're like, cool, we can not do this together. And they walk out. Mm. That is also a fantastic album. Bleed yeah. American. Yeah. We should yeah. also do that one. I, yeah, that, that absolutely. Didn't, I... didn't that just hit its 25th anniversary? Yeah, they, they, delayed, they delayed the uh, release because of 9 11. Yeah. Because it's called How did Bleed they American. It? Yeah. I, I, I think, think they that, released it and then they retitled it. Bleed, they just turned it to Bleed, I think. But I, or, I don't yeah, know if that was just for a while and then it went back. But it was yeah. it was bad timing. 2001, so it would have just passed the 20-year the mark. Yeah, yeah, just after 9-11. Yeah. 
it was uh so on on the wiki page for clumsy where is it it was there's a stat about oh here it is between 1996 and 2016 clumsy was the best-selling album by a canadian band in canada and the eighth best-selling album by a canadian artist overall in canada so for a long time they like 20 years my god It was like the it was like the gold standard of Canadian albums. Um, oh, Canadian rock. Yeah, rock, I guess. It's interesting, like, I think in scenes or in bands that come up around the same time, like, grunge, grunge has this, where every, all the big grunge bands kind of have their own identity. Like, Soundgarden is the weird band, Alice in Chains is like the metal um, heroin band, and Nirvana is the, was like the popular one. I've kind of thought about the Canadian rock bands that came up in the same time in a similar way. Like I'm Other Earth is the metal proggy one. But I, I'm trying to figure out like how would you what what would you say the big difference is between say Moist and I'm Other or not I'm Other Earth, Moist and Our Lady Peace. Because I think those were the two most popular of the big CanCon alt rock bands Let's get tea in party. the nineties. They were a big Oh Tea deal. Party's really good. But I, I would say of like the two the two like highest selling ones I would guess would be Moist and I'm and Our Lady Peace. I've never thought about it in those sorts of terms. Yeah, me neither. Um, My brain never thinks of useful things. It thinks of I, I, I always <laughs> I always thought of Our Lady Peace as more generic than Moist. Moist had a very distinct and kind of different sound. That was, that was on the Montreal influence. Yeah, they were they were they were piano heavy. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I never I, really got into Moist. Oh, they're the best. Now's the time. <laughs> You're on a show that will help you out with that. Nice. Yeah, like like they're they're kind of piano heavy, kind of. They're they're almost more cabaret, if you will. <laughs> than, um, Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Like. Our Lady Peace is more Nickelback. No offense, Our Lady Peace, or that, you know, you, you know what I mean. They're they're kind of mass appeal sort of band. Yeah, that, that's the. Uh... I'm not yeah, saying they're as bad as Nickelback, but <laughs> the thing about Nickelback is as easy as they are to make fun of. They have so many fans that they got to be doing something right. Yeah. I mean, they have they they like perfected their like generic rock song formula. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, they found a niche. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't just a niche; it was like the everything. Like, yeah. yeah, that was their niche. They're not niche. They're they are as mainstream <laughs> as you get. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's okay. I mean, they're like, hey I'm, guys, how about our niche could be the mainstream? Ooh, I mean, like, speaking, I mean, we we were born in the USA. It doesn't get much more mainstream than that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a segue. Is that a segue? Okay. That seems that seems like a natural segue. I like it. I like right. it. Okay. As we do. So, so let's go to the cure segue. next. Uh <laughs> yeah. um, all right. What's what's your song? What's your clumsy song? Let's oh. go with Mike first. Oh, uh the, the the my my favorite song on the album. Yes. After after listening through like I had said uh Superman's Dead was really important for me, but it's not going to be my favorite song. I'm going to go with Automatic Flowers. I'm going to go with Shaking. Mm. Um, 
I really Hopefully like there's a that. there's like two there's two or three songs on here that are still very Naveed like and that I feel stick out and that shaking is one of them. I'm gonna go off the beaten path and go with that. Okay. I'm gonna take Carnival. I really dig Carnival. I think it's a great tune. I'm gonna go out on a ledge and say that the other one that you think is very Naveed like is the story of a hundred Isles. Not really. Um, it was Hello, Oscar. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go with the story of 100 Isles. Yeah. Yeah. Picking the deep cuts. Yeah. All right. And with that, we will move on to the boss himself, Bruce mm. Springsteen, and born in the U.S. of A. So born, born in the USA is kind of an interesting story for me. Um, I don't know if you guys had an album like this, but this is the tape my parents had that I wore out because six to eight year old me asked for it every single car ride. Mm. Uh, my parents were my parents were of the adult contemporary type growing up for you Torontonians who are familiar with CHFI. Or at mm. least what CHFI was like in the what, '80s with its Rod Stewart and Miami Sound Machine <laughs> no. bullshit. Yeah, every car ride, <laughs> turn that off. I either want the oldie station or I want Born in the USA, and that was little me. Um, I loved this album as a kid, and I think one of the easy reasons is it sounds like a happy, uplifting, up-tempo album. If you don't listen to the words and you're six years old, um, <laughs> however. If you jump in, you will find it is a sad hellscape of 1984 America. Um, this is, I think this is still Bruce not, Springsteen's all-time best-selling not, not album. Not just 1984. <laughs> not from like America. the late 60s up until 1984 and probably yeah, still applicable to... And ongoing. Ongoing. Yep. Yep. It, ongoing it, systemic they just, problems they, they just, in the US. They, they just didn't have the opioid crisis back yeah, in 1984. Yeah, that is true. Everything else is still happening. Vietnam still messed up everyone. There are still no manufacturing jobs. Towns are disappearing. Well, People are still trapped in Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's true. People it's are still something. trafficking underage girls across state lines, which is um, working on the highway. I was particularly weirded out when I learned that's what actually working on the highway is about. Some guy's in love with an underage girl, takes her over state lines. Her family comes to beat him up. He goes to jail, joins the chain gang. Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> best happy sad song. Happy times. He, he was he, he had his finger on the pulse of uh, of midwestern rural America. Pedophilia. <laughs> midwestern folktale checklist. Yeah, yeah. There are a ton. So it's almost like I don't know where to. Trying to figure out where, what, like, what point do I start here? Because I think the other thing we were talking about before recording is like clumsy. I hadn't listened to this album in thirty years. I thought of it last year, late last year, early this year, because and because of streaming services, was like, hey, I used to listen to that album a lot when I was a kid. Let's check it out again, and found out, hey, it's a super depressing album. Listening to it, a good choice. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, Rich? I remember you mentioning it about a year ago and giving it a listen and being like, oh yeah, these lyrics really cut. 
Um, and we had, I think the three or four of us had a, a bunch of talk about, about this kind of earlier in the day and like what specific it's, it's interesting to see what themes on this album, um, hit each of us. Cause I think as we'll talk like with the cure album, the cure album, I think is more monothematic in what it's talking about. Whereas this is all about a whole bunch of different things. Um, like, you know, people, veterans coming back from wars and having, you know, no job opportunities and not being taken care of people who lose their jobs, their marriage falls apart. Um, you know, towns disappearing or even yeah. something as simple as like high school was the best time of your life and your life sucks now, which I will, <laughs> which I will also. And I think rich, you know, this, that is what the true meaning of summer of 60, 69 is. Yeah. High school is the best time of your lives. Everything else is downhill. So just kill yourself after high school because life's never getting better. <laughs> That's an uplifting okay. way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Nice and dark. <laughs> the, last, the last part might be my exaggeration, but <laughs> there is a depressing way to look at Summer 69. But no, that's, that's what um, it's about is you, you, the best days are behind you. So just buckle up and ride out the rest of your life. Enjoy your roller coaster. Trip. Get a pickup truck and a dog, American yep. flag. This this album is for all the joking about how depressing it is. Like the music is incredible. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's really um, good. Like th there's a reason that this is like the gold standard for like Heartland America rock. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sure John Cougar Mellencamp loves Bruce Springsteen for you know opening the doors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, very like, much. It, it was like the. It, he, he kind of Bruce Springsteen and the Street Band kind of defined the genre, and you know, there's lots of people who are doing their best Bruce Springsteen impressions. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in reading up, reading more material on this, there's like tying in with Woody Guthrie and the old protest song folk singers, and him kind of like taking that ethos and making a new, like you were saying, Steve a new genre of heartland rock that is about that's like storytelling. Like here's a story about people in a place in America right now, or, you know, how things used to be and how they are now and doing that in a whole whack of different styles. Like dancing in the dark is an eighties synth number. Whereas yeah. like, um, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, glory days and, um, uh, working on the highway are more like 50s, 60s revival stuff. Like this album is all over the place stylistically, and mm. I love it. It's so well done. Yeah, I hear you on that. It's a good album. It's very, very easy to listen to. It's not very long, which mm. uh, which is always always makes an album easier to listen to. Um, the 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 tracks are catchy. Um, the the lyrics are sharp. Uh, the band sounds like they're having a lot of fun playing. <laughs> if you ever see them playing, like, you know, Stephen Van Zandt and Bruce Springsteen doing their guitar, <laughs> tongue sticking out, you know, sort of. Max Weinberg on the drums? <laughs> Son Jay Weinberg is now the drummer in Slipknot. Mm. After Joey Jordanson left. But no, it's it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, 
it's I'm trying to get get my head around my like what I really it's like there the entire ethos of, of this album is um small town America is a place full of uh dead ends and misery, but you might as well have fun while going through life. Yeah. Right. Like, it's, that sums it up pretty well. That's what it feels like to me. Mike, was this your first time hearing this album or like Bruce Springsteen material? How familiar with you were you with Bruce Springsteen before this? So I knew a lot of the singles on this on this album, and um, I don't think I had ever actually listened to the whole album all the way through before. Um, but it was one of those albums where it would be like, "Oh, I know this song." Oh, I've heard this before. Oh, it's been a while, you know, and, and even the songs I didn't, I hadn't heard before. Um, I found no reason to skip anything. Like there, there, there was never a point where I was like, eh, I don't really like this song. I'm going to move to the next one. Um, I'll do that. You know, it just sort of, uh, it, it just sort of wor- worked its way through. And, and, and every time a new track came on, I was, I was excited about it, but, um, yeah, I, I hadn't heard the album in its entirety before. Um, but I had heard a lot of the songs. That's kind of why, like, our, we 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 have devoted the the podcast to the 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 format of the album, because, um, it's it's kind of you. The singles are all well and good, but it's good to hear them in the context of how they were originally planned to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of albums that are that are really albums and they one song flows into another and they'll tell a story or they'll they'll you know just flow together well it's you know it's a a lot of them are a a better experience at least the older ones i don't know if you can if any if newer albums are the same way um but it's you know it really it really adds to um to you know the the appreciation of it to hear it as intended. I remember I saw um, I saw Sloan in concert a couple of years ago now, and they were on their Navy Blues tour, and they played the entirety of Navy Blues in order mm-hmm. before going on and playing you know other stuff. Uh, but before they went into um, you know Money City Maniacs. They were like, it's uh, they they're like it's amazing to be able to play this song in the context of how we originally created it, like with with the the track that came before and like which I honestly can't remember right now <laughs> the track that came after, but they they said we've been playing this song in concert for decades, and. To them, they, they thought it, it it lost some of its meaning out of its context, so, mm. which I thought was a really interesting thing for them to say. Mm-hmm. I think the last point I have about Born in the USA that I realized um, while listening to this was I was trying to think, okay, so Born in the USA hits, sells a god billion amount of copies. I don't remember anything else that Bruce Springsteen did after that until Streets of Philadelphia. He didn't, he, he didn't need to. Pardon? Sorry, Mike? I would say he didn't need to do anything after that. He, he, he hit the, uh, the gold right there. 
but I found that really weird. I'm like, Bruce Springsteen is still a legend. Like, he's still extremely famous, but I don't remember anything else he did in the 80s until Streets of Philadelphia. And um, the one blurb I did notice on Wikipedia was like, kind of what you just said, Mike. He, he made bank with this album and then was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to make whatever music I want to. I mean, he was charts, charts, this. This album is like ten years into his career, though, right? Like, which is Born also to Run some, was like nineteen seventy-five, right? Which is also something I always forget. I still don't have like Bruce Springsteen to me is an eighties guy. Like, I forget a lot of the time he started in the seventies. And like, um, mm -hmm. Bigs like Born to Run was a huge song. Yeah. So, and that's that's like mid seventies. So. You know, when 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 um, Born in the USA came out, like he's he's been doing this for a decade, and he's you know it's it, he's released a number of albums, and um, you know he's you know it's this is this isn't this isn't like a flash in the pan came out of nowhere. Let's make Heartland Rock. No, this this is like this is like his climax. Like, and, and I mean bands are like that you know they they start out they maybe the first album is is the their best but sometimes they, they ramp up to their best and then they you know they tail off for two or three decades but that's when when that. they're in concert and, and that's when people are like you know do that song from 20 years ago oh yeah oh yeah right like they don't they don't they want to hear the hits <laughs> yeah, yeah no, nobody wants to hear the new stuff <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at something on the on the Wikipedia for this album that I thought was kind of neat, and and I mean maybe it just because of the age of the of the album, but but the track listing is is broken down by side one, side two, which yeah, is because it came out on vinyl. Yeah, the vinyl, and then and afterwards it would have come out on cassette, and and it's it, it's just like as soon as CDs came along, we sort of lost that side side A side B kind of thing, and 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 now that we're in in sort of the world of streaming. Um, you know, it's 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 easy. I mean, like even even if I'm I'm listening to a song on my uh, Apple Music, if I'm not in the album, if I just found the song, the Apple Music is like, no, 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 I'm I'm smart enough. I'm just gonna give you a bunch of other songs I think you're gonna like based on this one you just listened to, and so you're just being sort of knocked around all over the place. Um, whereas you know this this is kind of like what you were saying about um, the 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 album telling a story, like each side of the album would have told the story, right? And, and and there would have been that break where they would have known you're going to be flipping the album. You're going to be turning over your cassette, right? It's like if you're listening to, you know, Abbey Road and you've got the, you know, the that Abbey Road suite at the beginning of the second side where, it, you know, they, they, they do all that weird crap. But you've got your first side and then the second side is in that context. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Go listen yeah, 46 to 46 minutes. Yeah, it's a short album. It's not long. Mm -hmm. a, a couple of them were short. You know, um, Purple Rain's real short. I guess. Yeah, it's not and, long at all. It's a long album, and and so is so is Clumsy. Like they're all like 45 minute albums. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the the Cure one is like nine nine hours, nine and a half yeah, hours. It's, it's not. It's <laughs> not 45 minutes. There's a lot of instrumental. Speaking of that. <laughs> I guess that that's our next segue. But uh, <laughs> before we we do that, let's let's talk about our standout track on Born in the USA. And I'll I'll start with this one because I didn't last time. Uh, I love Dancing in the Dark. I think it's a great tune. Yeah. 
I'm going to go that really with... encapsulates the uh, life kind of sucks, but let's have fun anyways. Yeah, mm. it feels very Springsteen to me, and it's it's just yeah. it's just a banging tune. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that yours as well, Richard? No, I'll. No. <laughs> I mean, I'll thumbs up that one, but uh, okay. Yeah, Craig, go ahead. I'm gonna go with Downbound Train. It's one. It's one of the two oh. songs that I think hits me the hardest on this album. But I love. I love how somber it is, and just how. Just how sad it is like it does not let up um over the course of the song and i really in some ways respect that that it doesn't like it doesn't let you have a reprieve from the sadness over the course and like the story that unfolds uh, over the course of the song next i'm gonna go with uh i think I think I, I think it was cover me I was listening to earlier today, and I kind of appreciated fit how it fit with the theme of you're in the like small town uh, setting where like people will just kind of you know odd couples will kind of match up and they'll get each other's back and just be there for each other, even though they're not maybe the best coupling, but it's what they got to work with. Mm-hmm. I think that was cover me that that I was thinking of or hearing that in. And I'm going to, I'm going to join uh, uh, Steve on this one and say that I I like the uh, dancing in the dark. I can. (laughs) It really is. It's hard to. I can't. I I don't, I don't know what it's like. Bruce Springsteen is, you know, he's full of, you know, American middle class or working class doom. Uh, but that doesn't really speak to me. I'm neither American nor working class. So it kind of a lot of a lot of his meaning kind of flies over me. I, I'm like, boy, it sucks to be you. But no. <laughs> it's not me. You know, I, I grew up in GM town. So mm. I while it doesn't speak to me personally, I get it. Sure. You've seen it. Yeah. Okay, so um, the the album that I chose is, for this uh, episode was Disintegration by The Cure. You make me feel like I am fun again. Couldn't have chosen uh, the worst timing. Rick, Richard, Richard, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. <laughs> you didn't tell me anything until after after I'd already given yeah, it I out. Know. I know, I know. I might have chosen something else otherwise, because this is not a good album to to listen to if you're, if you know, things are disintegrating like yeah. it's <laughs> when you're. To put it bluntly, when you're going through a breakup. Yes. Um, it's, uh, so, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's it's a, a, a late, um, a, like a 1989 album from The Cure. They, they'd been going for uh, quite a while at this point in time, and it's like their eighth album or something like that. Um, it's, I, I wanted to do this. It's one of, it's one of my wife's, um, favorite albums 
she loves Zakir. And if and it was something that I'd never really listened to much when I was younger. Um I knew the singles, of course, because everyone knows the singles. But uh I I never really heard it as um as an album. And I've always found that uh especially like around this time, bands were really they were really making albums, you know what I mean? Like this, this hangs together as a as a, a full album, and it's better to listen to that way than to just cherry pick the singles. So I find that it it really flows together. It does so, really flow together. It does, and it's it's very melodic. It's very kind of ambient at times. Mm-hmm. Like you know, starting out with. Uh, uh, starting out with plain song, you know, it's it's very it's it's kind of it's it's drawing you in, and then you know it's it's like we, let's let's get your full attention, let's really get you into it, so that we can drop the hammer on you with pictures of you, yeah. which is a a, a a long and depressing. It's a good song, but it's a long and depressing song about you know breakups, and then you yeah. you know you've got you know love song and you've got disintegration you've got oh it's it's um it's a hard listen if you're if you're going through hard times mm. uh, but it's i i guess that it, it is as you said earlier though when in our in our messages uh it is very cathartic and yeah I, the, I think that's the idea like it's yeah if you're going through a breakup and you've got an hour to kill and you just want to cry it is excellent. <laughs> yeah, it, it it will it will draw that out of you, and it yeah. will like if you have you know if you're pushing it down and you're you know you're gonna break you know this is a good way to get that out. Yeah, yeah. But if you're at work and just trying to get some stuff done, yeah, that's music, probably not going no. to be the most productive no. album. Yeah, no. and that's how I decided to experience it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> While I was eating my lunch, yeah. <laughs> ah. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> what's going on here?" Yeah, it's um, it's it's an album that that most certainly wallows in the uh, in the misery of a breakup. Yeah, but it's amazing composition. It's excellent songwriting. Oh, yeah, it is a wonderful album. And if you're not in the throes of a breakup, it's because I've listened to these songs before. They definitely speak to that um, to those memories of what it feels like to be going through a breakup, but it doesn't hit you as hard when you are in it. It hits hard, especially pictures of you. Oh yeah, that's that's. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that's like reach into your chest, pull your heart out, and just like ring it. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> it's not good. And and love song. Oh my god. I I find that one is. A, a song about not so much a healthy love, and so it doesn't yeah. really speak to me as much. But uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, the, the album's like an hour and ten minutes or something. It's a long album. Yeah. So it's you got to strap yourself in and 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 enjoy the ride, I guess, or don't enjoy the ride, whatever the. Yeah. Experience the ride. It's definitely a dark album. Buy, buy the ticket, take the ride. As, yeah, pretty much. What's his name? Uh, Hunter S. Thompson would always say. <laughs> so I'd never really heard any of The Cure before this album. Because I'm weird and I've avoided like major never, bands. 
throughout history. Because he never went to Retro Night. <laughs> also probably that. I mean, how do you miss Love Cats? How do you miss Friday I'm in Love? Like <laughs> Friday I'm in Love I knew. Yeah. Um, but it's like the one Cure song that I've heard before. I really like this. Um, I Mostly for, I think, the instrumentation. Um, very and I think we, we talk, pardon? It's very full. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's, I really like things like the first three tracks, like that ethereal synth heavy sound. I really like that style. Um, and the songs that also focus on accentuating a bass line, which I think like the second half does a lot in a lot of the songs, um, where there's like a bass line that starts and then the guitar is more adding effects and the synths are also are playing kind of like the secondary, secondary role. Um, I was trying to think why this album doesn't hit me as hard as Born in the USA does, besides like obvious familiarity bias, I guess. Um, and I think one of the things I came up with was my brain doesn't equate music that sounds like this with really sad. I don't know if that's like me trying to reach for an explanation or what what is actually happening, but... I know like we we kind of talked about this or touched on this when we were talking about Born in the USA just now, but like those um the songs on there hit me a lot harder than this does. I guess also like my personal experience personal experiences now, but I also I also think or was coming to the conclusion of this music to me sounds more like contemplative, ethereal. I don't even I don't want to say new agey because it's not it's like more gothic music but my my brain says to me like this is not sad music this is kind of you know chill out you know whatever it's type pre emo primo primo <laughs> is it my turn yeah yeah so Go ahead. So I, I had also not heard, like, I mean, I'd heard some of the, the bigger Cure songs in the past, but I've, I'd never heard this album prior to today, actually. I, I, I had left this one for last uh, of all of this. Like, I've been listening sort of throughout the week to the other albums, but I left this one for last. And I'm not sure why exactly, but I was like, oh, you know, I just want to have some free time. I'm just going to put on my AirPods and listen to some music, you know. And and I was I was having trouble with, I think, the thing that I I disliked about it. Um, like, I don't think I'm a huge fan of this style of music, but the thing that, that I disliked about it was what Craig really liked about it. I, I, I didn't like the synthy ambient music. Um, I have trouble with that kind of music in general. Like, I, I know that, um, you know, some people really enjoy that kind of thing. atmospheric into you, Mike. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Look at what Rick I, 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 and I are going to team up. Like listening to Bruce Springsteen, I'm like that. That's like the anti, you know. <laughs> you know Did you make us do Brian Eno, <laughs> Rick? <laughs> Can't remember. CD says on your release, you quick on your marathon episode. No, I, no. I never did that. No. <laughs> okay. But I, I, um, what, what was interesting is that when the first track was done, um, plain, plain song. Um, I was like, I was a little bit confused and, and, and we were, we were kind of chatting, um, in our, in our group chat about this. And, and I, I had typed like, I, I don't know how I feel about this, this album. And, um, 
when the second song came on, um, Pictures of You, I actually liked that song a lot more. And and sort of as I worked my way through the album, I think that one was my favorite of all of the tracks on that album. But I was very much looking at it from a musical uh, perspective. Um, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to the lyrics, and that's probably uh, just because I was doing other things while I was listening, and so I don't think I gave it the the um, the attention that I think it it it, it deserved at, at that point, like to to really experience the lyrics. Um, but I did experience the musicality of it, and 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 I I enjoyed the musicality of the second track a lot more than 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 the first one. Um, even even though like I I guess the when we're talking about the ambience and stuff, I, I felt there was a lot of um, repeated riffs that that just kept coming back and 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 you'd have like an echoey voice that would come in for a you know a couple of bars and then you'd have this repeated riff that would go over and over again whether it be on guitar or something and and i don't know if if um and i think the reason why i said i don't know how i feel about it is because i wasn't sure if i was enjoying the familiarity of knowing that that riff was going to come back or if i was being a little bit annoyed by the fact that it wasn't changing up enough like it was, it was just kept, it seemed to keep repeating itself over and over again. Um, I, but I've decided I, I want to give this one more attention. I think it deserves more attention. I want to like, I want to sit down. I want to explore this album as, as much as I did the other ones. Um, but for my initial, uh, my, uh, my initial listen through, um, it's, it's very much the kind of album that I feel like you, you need to be experiencing at, you know, different points in your life. I think like with whatever's going on. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I also read that um, Disintegration, like uh, The Cure had kind of gone in a more poppy direction uh, previous. This is kind it. of pulling back to their, their yeah, roots. Yeah, Ro Robert Smith wanted to go back to their more goth roots and uh, go a little bit less pop. So I think they achieved that. Mm -hmm. I like pop, though. <laughs> I guess that's... Yeah. That's we know you do, Mike. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't hear you guys. I was listening to uh, Dance Mix '95. Oh, <laughs> yikes! <laughs> Dance Mix. What's on Dance Mix '95? Uh, everybody dance now. Oh, CNC Music Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make you sweat till you bleed. The shame those aren't are not on streaming services. I know the big shiny tunes like to get any of those albums, you have to find people that sort of custom made playlists and put them on Spotify yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Right. Cause they, those compilation. And I'm curious, like, especially with this um, discussion we were having a few minutes ago about like the album telling a story, like, is that completely broken up when somebody creates a compilation or is it a different story? It, it's not the album. It's something different. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like I suppose because, you could compile a bunch of other songs and create something with all yeah, of you that. Can, you can sure. do that intentionally and make a tell a story through it, sure. Mm -hmm. Mixtape, if you will. Yeah, but I would assume that most of it is just, hey, what what are the you know the fifteen hottest songs this summer? Let's put them on an album. And <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what you'll yeah. get from those you know people who were, um, you know, just trying to sell more albums, like. Mm -hmm. Back in the day before streaming services, you know, they it was it was a big deal. Like those big shiny tunes, you remember the Frosh albums, the <laughs> dance oh, mixes. The... Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got the Frosh albums. I've got big shiny eighties. 
Oh wow! Oh, yeah. I, th those those things sold about a zillion copies because uh, that was the way you got those tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Even um. Like, did, did anyone buy the Fastball album? Richard, Fastball. Yeah. Richard, haven't you extolled the virtues of that album? Someone I know has talked up that album over the years. Fastball? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I owned it, but I like that album. It's. I mean, I mean, they had that, they had that huge song, "The Way," and that was on yeah. the third Big Shiny Tunes. And I think yeah. ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of the people who owned that song owned it through that album, rather than <laughs> any other way. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. But it was a banging tune. It was a good good song. <laughs> All right. So, what do we what do we want to do our our track choices? Sure. So, since since I kind of already mentioned it, I'll go first. And and yeah, I I really liked uh, pictures of you just just for the the effect that it that it hit when uh, when I was listening through the album. Um, uh, that my 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 favorite may change the more I listen through this album, but that's going to be my choice. I'm going to go with plain song for kind of the, something that Steve pointed out last episode of like the importance of an opening track. This is a perfect like mood and intention setting opening and like ambiance setting opening track um, and gave me a super good first impression. That's my choice. I totally agree with you. I'm going to go with Fascination Street. It's uh, it's pretty hooky and it's uh, I guess as poppy cure as this would, would get and it was kind of a nice reprieve from the other stuff I, I feel like the poppiest cure song on this one is just the one I'm going to choose it's yeah. Lullaby yeah that's um, that's that's a great tune like it's it's you know I really like Lullaby sweet okay all right. So let's uh, let's move on to Purple Rain. Ooh. Purple is the rains. So I'm gonna I'll, I'll share sort of my motivation between behind this and. There's going to be a series of things that I bring up in, in over the next couple of episodes that are not necessarily things that I have a whole lot of uh, experience with. You know, the way that Craig has has fond memories of born in the USA and, and so on. Uh, I get to bring up things that are that I've wanted to explore more and haven't in the past. And so Prince was one of those. Uh, definitely listened to his some of his music and. Uh, know lots of people who really enjoy his, enjoy, enjoyed his music or have enjoyed his music for years. And um, I wanted to understand more of why. So I brought up Purple Rain and there's some tracks on it that I was pretty familiar with uh, before, like Darling Nikki. Uh, actually, what else? and Purple Rain, the title track. But the other ones, and When Doves Cry, yeah. Um, but the other ones I was less familiar with. And then I also went back and listened to his earlier stuff and, and also the album that came after this. And yeah, it's, it really shows his 
listening from his first album through to Purple Rain shows a lot of evolution as an artist, and it's uh, it's pretty cool, I think, to listen to this album in that context. Uh, the spectrum of different sounds that he brought in, the musicality, his guitar playing is phenomenal. Very um, virtuoso. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the album, and I'm going to continue listening to more of Prince's work over the coming weeks and months. Uh, and I want to know what you guys think about it, too. I liked it. I, I think Prince is good. Um, I'd heard a number of the tracks before. Um, yeah. I, I'd never listened to, to Purple Rain, you know, end to end before, but, you know, like, Darling Nikki was covered by the Foo Fighters, and that, that was the first time yeah. I heard it done by the Foo Fighters, and it's probably the raunchiest song I've ever heard, <laughs> which is which is really saying something. <laughs> it's, uh, I'd obviously heard Purple Rain, what? and I'd heard... Um, didn't, didn't uh, I... Didn't I bring up? Uh, didn't I bring up um, uh, apostrophe by Frank Zappa in a previous thing? Because Dynamo mm-hmm. Hunt's pretty raunchy. Don't know. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yes, <laughs> uh, but no, no digressing allowed. <laughs> But he, like, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of really interesting, you know, um, interesting sounds, kind mm-hmm. of throwback sounds. Um, yeah. Amazing guitar, uh, interesting lyrics in places, uh, and then the like, when doves cry is like really stripped down, mm-hmm. but it's also really catchy. Mm-hmm. Like I, that, that's probably my favorite song from this album. I really like When Doves Cry. Mm-hmm. I had never heard any Prince before this. Which... Like none? Not I, even Bat Dance? Not even Bat Dance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have weird, like, very large gaps in my popular anything knowledge. Um, this didn't really click with me and i've been thinking a lot in the past two weeks why because it's kind of, so this and born in the usa came out in the same year and on the surface they both kind of do the same thing of hopping around stylistically a lot but whereas you know there's obviously some childhood attachment attached to born in the usa um i much prefer that over this and I've been trying to figure out why. My best armchair initial guess is that this is more pop than Born in the USA is. And I'm kind of like the anti-Mike, where mm. pop doesn't resonate with me, potentially because of like the energy, like the energy is different. Like I need a bit of an edge, or I need, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out how to say something that doesn't sound completely pretentious and nonsensical, or like hipster, I guess. Suppose, but um, was there that T-shirt that says your favorite band sucks? I remember that shirt. <laughs> I don't think I own that shirt, but I've I have seen that shirt before. Um, yeah, like even like like let's go crazy has the same type of thing of it like it feels like a 50s 60s 
revival number. That's just an intro to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, but it it wasn't doing anything for me, and I was kind of maybe also because I definitely am that type of person. I have that contrarian part of my personality that if I know something has been hyped up and hyped up and hyped up over time, there is a part of me that instinctively wants to dislike it just to be contrarian. And I know that's a stupid thing, but I also recognize that I kind of instinctively do it. And also... Good that you recognize it, Craig. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, like, Prince's, I think Prince's guitar playing is a good example of this, where I've heard, I've seen and heard people hype up Prince's guitar playing so much. And then I look at performances of his and I'm like, really? Like, like the, the famous one is the, um, rock and roll hall of fame one, right? Oh, Where my he's guitar in a, gently waves. Yes. And I've watched that and been like, okay, that's good, but it's nothing incredible. Like, I don't know. So. You're also I think, a metal guy, and it's very different guitar style. Than... It is a very different, and I have to, I have to tell myself that of like, he's probably improvising a lot of this, or it is a less technically impressive solo as it is a more melodically impressive solo in that particular case. Um, and I think, I think what I was trying to remind myself of a lot when I was listening to this was, you know, Prince is. This probably the sole songwriter of a lot of this and the sole like you know he most of this is just him like there's a lot and i in reading up more on, on prince during the past couple of weeks seeing anecdotes of like yeah he'd just go in and play the drums like he'd go knock out the drums for that track in one take like it was nothing like his genius is not from maybe he was just good at so many things. And that's something I think that I had to remind myself of a lot is why this is impressive when I guess it wasn't really resonating with me. And I f- was like, I feel bad. This isn't resonating with me. Like, I feel like I'm not getting some, like I'm missing something here. It's funny if when I, I when I, I think I, of like solos and metal songs, I, I'm, I'm brought back to the old, um, uh, has has everyone here seen Amadeus? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard of it. I haven't seen yeah. it. It's what they what they said to Mozart when he wrote his score: too many notes, <laughs> too many notes. It feels like uh, they're they're jamming things in for the sake of of trying to play as fast as they can, and it is they're not playing to make something that is as pleasing as it can be. It's they're wanking on their guitars. I can and see that angle. That bothers me. I don't like that. I don't I don't like solos that are I, I'm not even like showing off because you know, like um there there's a lot of good show off solos. Like um uh beat it. Van ha- the, the Van Halen solo and beat it. Like that's that's just a fun solo, and he's mm. showing off because he's real good. But uh, <laughs> but it's but it's you know it's 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 well done. 
but a lot of a lot of metal solos on, on any instrument, <laughs> drum solo even. I feel like um, they're they're sacrificing um, musicality for technical skill. Yeah, and maybe that plays into if you were to ask like where what my interpretation of virtuoso is, I would lean more on technical skill perhaps than composition or feeling just in my own like if you if you were to ask me like okay what what do you think of virtuoso in an instrument it's like what's a representation of that like i would lean towards weird someone al. who has weird al is also in his band i've also heard of like they can play anything he's an accordion virtuoso yeah <laughs> Well, I think of virtuoso. I think of the jazz greats. Mm -hmm. It's it, 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 uh, when I think of a virtuoso, it's it's how effortless they make it look. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is also remember... something that's hard to or easily deceptive, and probably is coming into play with my impression of Prince. Yeah. Is you, Craig, and I went to some amusing concert years ago. Yes, and he's like he's playing those songs without thought he mm -hmm. like what's coming out of that guitar looks like the simplest thing in the world but it is not he's he's yeah, not, playing not the guitar like he could, like he would breathe that's a very good point and it's impressive any anyone who can play like that impresses the hell out of me because i know how hard it is to make it make something seem so easy Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of and and i feel going right back to prince with this uh that video of of him playing while my guitar gently weeps at the the rock and roll hall of fame thing i feel like he's just he's just doing it like he's he's just playing and he's it's it's like it's the most natural thing in the world for him was that was that the one where he just like leans back and like the security guys hold him he's just like still playing and then he just like goes back up or am i thinking of a different video i'm not sure it's been a long time since i actually watched it okay. uh but it, it, he just goes out and he's just playing he's doing his thing and it's it's yeah. it's impressive like it's it look because he makes it look so easy but if you listen to what's coming out of the guitar it's not that simple mm -hmm. that's how that's how i feel about prince's guitar playing he's He's got that facility. He he just does it like like this is totally natural for him. This is also the only Prince material I've listened to. So very well could be I listen to other stuff and, and realize, oh okay, I get it now. This is also described as his poppiest stuff. Hmm. His poppiest album. And his early, like his early like the first couple he put out in the seventies were like very much soul and really good. Hmm. But uh, yeah, total soul albums. From that hotbed of soul, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So this was yep. um, this was my first exposure to Prince aside from the 1989 Batman soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, you know, call out to the uh, to the Bat Dance. I remember being I remember being in grade eight or something, and. Uh, and being at a school dance and I went to the DJ and I was like, can you play bad dance? <laughs> nice. And I, and I made the DJ play bad dance. 
Yeah, it was awesome. It was a big song at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I very much enjoyed this album. Uh, I was very familiar with the singles. Um, when Doves Cry is an incredible song. The Purple Rain, like the title track, is a, is a fantastic song as well. Um, but the, the, the first thought that came into my mind was, you know, it's kind of a weird sound. And, and I think I, I wasn't sure what I meant until this discussion when I realized it was, it was, I think a lot of the sound effects and things that he was using in, in the way that, that he creates the music. Um, but it, uh, it, it definitely had a, uh, a poppy feel to it. Um, I had fun listening to it. Um, it's the kind of thing where uh, I'd be curious. I, I've never seen any of the music videos. So I'd be curious to see some of the music videos because it seems like it would when, be very flam- flamboyant. Prince in a bathtub. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's how I figured it would probably be some, some very flamboyant uh, costuming and lots of colors and, and, um, and things like that. So um, I, I, I remember too, like Prince himself as it was a very weird um, eccentric kind of performer. And um, if you ever have a chance to listen to Kevin Smith talk about his experiences with Prince, um, he, he does a, um, a talk in, in one of his uh, shows that he did a few, few years back called uh, An Evening with Kevin Smith. And he put out a bunch of DVDs uh, where he went to a variety of different shows and just told stories. That was more than a couple of years ago now. Yeah, that was like, a, what would that have been, 15 years ago probably? <laughs> yeah, some uh, 18, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, Many moons. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to this to this word flamboyant, but this this idea that that Prince is bigger than life, and 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 some of the stuff that that was in, involved in his life, and, and and that kind of stuff would go into his music and his performances, and 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 you can hear it, and you can like he was very much a performer, like he was a very you know Michael Jackson style performer, and and so the. Um, I enjoyed this album a lot. I, I had I had a lot of fun listening to it, and I listened through it a, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, and 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 I had fun with it. Um, nothing much more to say that you know I I do enjoy poppy music, so it uh, it sort of hit the right strings for me. The sound effects comment is interesting because I know I thought that especially on Let's Go Crazy, where you've got a re uh, like an actual drummer playing. 80s style drums, but then you've got a drum machine that's playing over top of that in a different mm. beat. I found that especially like, whoa, that's a that's weird experimentation. I haven't heard anyone do that before. You don't hear a lot of that these days anymore, right? Like that's like experimenting with musical sound is 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 kind of a lost art. I feel like a lot of a lot of stuff you hear now. And I mean, everybody says that you know, the music before was good. The music today sucks. And 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 you know, you can ask anybody that, but it's. It's it's like the they you're not really getting a lot of experimenting with music. Like I think somebody like Billie Eilish, for example, is the most unique sound that I've been hearing on on the radio recently, and it's just because it's so different from everything else. Everything else is written by the same people. It's produced by the same people. It, you know, especially if you're listening pop to pop music. That's the way pop music always was. Right. So, um, but I do I do enjoy the ex- experimenting, and I agree with you, Craig. Like that 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 made a really cool effect. And I like that in that track. And the double we want to pick our best. Or oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, no, I was just going to ask if we were going to pick our favorite tracks from from this from this album. Sure, I I I liked um I like when doves cry. I'm going to say Purple Rain title track. I'm going to go with Darling Nikki. 
for the completely <laughs> weird reason of the out of nowhere double bass drumming at the end of the track, mm. which besides being not that common in 1984 is like super duper rare to hear on pop music. I did not expect that at all and was very impressed by like, whoa, this out this track took a turn. And yes, it's also super catchy. I'll go with this Let's Go Crazy. Just I'll go with Let's Go Crazy just because it's a cool opener. Hell of an intro. Mm. Yeah. And that brings us to the end okay. of our oh, second well, episode. Yeah, so well, what we do got... we want to do next time, guys? Yeah. Steve, what why don't you go first? Okay. I have a choice that I think is going to nicely follow yours. Okay. I'm, I have chosen as my album, Neutral Milk Hotel in the Aeroplane Over the Sea, because it was, it was, it was, it's like one of those underground albums that became influential afterwards, kind of based on internet, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, internet ubiquity. Um, and it's, it's got a really, really interesting sound to it. So I want to throw it out there and see what everyone thinks of it. Hmm. Sounds good. I'm going to go with a band, um, Astronoid, their debut full length album air which they describe as dream thrash and i will describe as if you crossed pop punk with thrash metal am i gonna hate this i am i am legitimately curious what you will think there's no screaming <laughs> there's no screaming i'll tell you like the vocals are not you will the vocals like are not going to be i won't say they won't be the problem because because it's kind of like the exact opposite side of screaming I'm curious for how you will, what you will think of it. Okay. Mike's vanished, so I'll take this opportunity to name my choice. Uh, keeping the theme of things that I have not spoken to myself and want to explore more. Um, I've listened to, I wouldn't say a lot, but I've listened to some uh, Genesis with Phil Collins, but I haven't explored myself to a lot of uh, the Peter Gabriel ages, so I'm going to go with Nursery Crime. It'll be an interesting week. Yep. <laughs> what do you got for us, Mike? Um, so I've been listening to um, a little bit more, like I've been listening to some pop punk recently, and... Um, XPX! What I was going to suggest is uh, <laughs> is an album by Simple Plan. Oh, of uh, course. <laughs> no, it's called No Pads, No Helmets, Just Balls. And uh, it's a fun album. So I was going to suggest that one. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Zero Check. Take care for now, everyone, and we'll see you in episode three.